Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with the introductions of our inspiring educator. Hi, everybody. It's Lila, the educator motivator. You can find me on social media at Miss Lila Noor. That's all platforms. I am currently an instructional coach at Manual Arts Senior High School as well as a CPM teacher leader, motivational speaker. And this week, we start off with what we're grateful for, just so we can give you a little piece of positivity at the beginning of each episode. And this week, I am grateful for the Teacher Self-Care Conference that I attended in Houston at the end of January. And I'm really thankful for that space just because it made me think about a lot of things that teachers really need outside of content support and being able to create a lot of those self, um, those safe spaces for teachers to just feel like they're being heard and to work on some of the things that impede their teaching um, outside of, again, just content. Awesome, Lila. Congratulations on you were, you presented at the conference, correct? Not just attended. Yes. Awesome. Congratulations. This is your boy, Dr. Christopher J. Childs, your favorite teacher, favorite teacher. You can find me on all social media platforms at DRK Childs, platforms that from the past, platforms currently, and platforms from the future. You can find me on all of them. This week, I am grateful for, as every educator that's been in the game several years knows this, Anytime you're down in the field or just need encouragement, at that moment, you get a bit of encouragement from someone or somebody. It could be a former student. It could be a colleague. But the universe just knows, hey, this educator needs some encouragement, and you get it right when you need it. And I just want to be, I am grateful for the ones that have given me that encouragement in the times of need. Again, every educator knows that you get it at the most unexpected moment. I am totally grateful for those moments of encouragement. Absolutely. This week, we have a hot topic as always. Should cell phones be banned in classrooms? And when I say banned, I mean like banned, like you can't bring them in. Think about some comedy shows. They don't let you have cell phones during the comedy show so you can just enjoy and appreciate the show. So should cell phones be banned in the classroom? Cell phones and laptops can be distracting for students in classrooms. New research also shows that using electronic devices can even lower student grades. So, Lila, what are your thoughts on, first, I guess it's two ways. Students having access to cell phones, but then also from the perspective, it is impacting students' academic achievement. So I think we have to have the discussion both ways. I, you know, as we go on through this episode, you know, we're going to say, well, what if it's a mercy? But. Well, if it's not a mercy, how do we balance the two? Or should we just say no cell phones whatsoever? If it's a mercy, we'll do one of those all-call systems to the parents. You don't need a cell phone. What's your thought? I mean, personally, I've never had an issue with cell phones. So it's really difficult for me to have this conversation based on my own experience in the classroom. Um, I know that Cell phones are a general issue in terms of attention, um, being able to keep students' attention and them being distra- it being a distraction in general. Um, I've seen it work in a lot of, besides the obvious negative way, but when you think about, um, for whatever reason, 
some parents think that it's okay to text their children or or whomever they're guarding um, really traumatic information in the middle of the school day. And, and I think that that's more so like my biggest concern, knowing what the limitations are or knowing where there should be some sort of um, some sort of line drawn. But in terms of it impeding students' ability to work, it's, it's hard for me because I've just never had that that experience um, in terms of saying like I'm, I'm really fighting about cell phones. Like I, it's been an issue. It's something that's been addressed, but it's not something that I've I've ever had to really sit and take too much of my time to think about. That's a good one. Let's talk about first. You made it the broader point of texting students. That's one of the reasons people are going to say you cannot ban cell phones. What if I have to tell my child something? I think everyone needs to figure out what is really an emergency to text your child about. And as Lila pointed out, I know some parents say, what if it's something bad? I need to get in touch with them. I think we also have to think in that moment, what can be done? For example, That's the thing. If you, Y'all can't do nothing. <laughs> if you text a kid, let's say at 11 a.m. that grandma has passed, that is an unfortunate incident. Yes, the child should know. But you text them, grandma's passed. I'm not picking you up. See you at the school. You just gave student a traumatic mm-hmm. remainder of the day. I know everyone's saying, well, they're going to find out. So uh, I want to be first. I get it. But if you're just going to give them some traumatic news, is that, is that good? Or is it actually worse? True. So I'll, everybody always says true story instead of let me tell you a story. So I'm just going to say, let me tell you a story. I remember <laughs> I was teaching a college level course and I did it in my high school classes also. But in a college-level course I was teaching, a, a student was texting. And at the time, I had a rule. Obviously, students had cell phones, but you couldn't use them during class. So the student was texting. I took, I, I'm the type. I walk around the room. I grab the student's cell phone as they were texting. Like, I'm texting my mom. I'm texting my mom. I said, I don't care. And I text the mom, such and such is in class. He will talk to you later. And gave the phone back ironically a couple months later i actually met that parent in person and they came up to me and say you're the one that took my child's phone i said yep they shouldn't have had it in class and their parents say yes you're right they should not have had been i should not have been texting them in class so i think as parents we need to be cognizant of the fact it what is the purpose do you want them to focus or do you want to say hey what do you want for dinner tonight i mean a lot of the the conversations I'm realizing that students are supposedly having, if, if, if they actually are talking to parents or someone um, of importance, that it's trivial information. Um, and then the times that it is important information, like you said, I'm going to relay some sort of negative information to you or some sort of heartfelt information just so you can sit with it throughout the day. Like that, that's just not fair, especially when, like you said, you're not even going to come pick them up. You're not. And and here's what I've seen happen a couple of times is that the information that they share, because it's via message, sometimes gets misinterpreted. And students end up panicking about something that isn't even a panic situation, like in tears, distraught. And then come to find out, oh, 
that's not really what happened or, oh, they're okay. Or, oh, like I didn't understand what they had wrote because autocorrect changed the word to something else. Like, so it's really unfortunate, but if you put those um, experiences aside with them talking to parents, we know the majority of our students that are using their cell phones throughout the day, um, consistently are texting kids in other classes. They're texting kids at other schools. They're texting their friends most of the time. And that's where, you know, I mean, the issue lies with all of it, but where the biggest issue lies, because not only do I have one student distracted, but I have another student in another class also being distracted, potentially in the same school at the same time, because they're talking to each other um, in this space when other things need to be going on. And that's one thing we have to consider when we say banning cell phones or limiting use, because it's one thing to have a quick message. For example, my daughter may text me, hey, what is my transportation getting home? That's a quick message. You're doing one or two. Done. It's a difference when you're carrying on conversations. So Old conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's, it's, it gets, the line gets fuzzy, because if you can't have them at all, there's some innocent people who may need to, a parent may need, literally need to say, today after school, you have to ride the bus. In the conversation, they don't have to call the school, interrupt, and go through that whole process of getting a message to a child. Versus a parent, some parents literally just text their kid, how are you doing? What's going on? Let's talk. During the middle of the day. So <laughs> that's where that fine line. But we also, as Lila pointed out, Students are texting from class to class. So you not only have a distraction in one class, you're creating a possible distraction in another class. And some schools that I've been in, I've seen it in multiple ways, and there's no perfect system. I saw at one school at the very beginning of the school day, as students were coming in the building, they were dropping off their cell phones. I didn't find out more information about how that process worked, but it seemed efficient. The security lady Pick, they walked by, hey, miss such and such, dropped off the phone and kept going. Got it at the end of the school day. In some classrooms, this was at a middle school, the teacher had a bin and all the students dropped their cell phone, their cell phone in the bin before class, retrieved their cell phone at the end of class. No issues whatsoever. When I was at the college level, I don't remember what happened. I think I took some cell phones, like from all my students. And I want to say someone stole a cell phone. So it almost was chaos in the classroom. But I had this, I put the fear of them because they knew how I rolled at the time. I was a young professor and I was, I didn't care. I was energetic. That's the best way. And I remember telling my students, if this cell phone is not back in this student's hand by five o'clock, everybody in trouble. That student got his phone back immediately. But Yo, so that was one of the bad things that could happen. Someone could take a phone. But I think we need to be strategic in those ways because as the research article pointed out, distractions in general, so cell phones, laptops, iPads, now that they have technology in the classrooms in general, they're going to distract students. They're not going to be focused. And it's going to impact their academic performance. So which yeah I, I see it and I and I get it but I also uh, here's I I think about a lot of these cases that we're arguing for right now are about the classes in which you know there is great pedagogy and teacher is is well informed and knowledgeable and they are constructing amazing lessons and really thinking about 
teaching all students. However, some of these situations, I've been in classrooms in which a lot of the cell phone usage is coming from low expectations of students, it's coming from disengagement, it's coming from a place of, I'm bored. Like I'm legitimately bored and the expectation, I'm going to probably hear someone yell at me in about every maybe 10 minutes about putting my phone away, but they might not look at me or pay attention to me. And the next time they yell, so I'm going to be exempt at that time. But realistically, I'm in a space that we don't necessarily, we're not doing anything. You know, I don't need to be engaged right now. So I'm on my phone watching the video. But that's the point. If something is so engaging, you're not going to think about a cell phone. And the same thing with adults, because we always say ban them in the classroom. But I go in classrooms, I see teachers leaning back in their chair, texting away or doing different social media. Or I'm in meetings with adults, and they're the entire meeting scrolling through their Instagram timeline. Mm -hmm. So it's not just students that get distracted. It's adults. Everyone gets distracted. But as Lila pointed out, when it's highly engaging, there, think about some of the most engaging moments in your lives. I mean, the real good moment. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about that cell phone. Period. Period. <laughs> Period. But, and, and that's the unfortunate thing is that I see so many students that they're reviewing worksheets. They're being asked level one questions, yes or no questions the entire class period. And they're like, okay, I answered yes. And, or you told me the answer was yes. So let me go back to what I was doing because we're not, you're not asking me to engage with you on a, on a higher cognitive level that's making me, it's forcing me to give you my attention so that I can think on a higher level about what's going on. So my cell phone is the other, it's, it's the other option right now. But the key is, Most teachers will say, well, my lessons are engaging and they still use the phones. Have you asked the students, are they engaging or do you assume they're engaging? Because when lessons are engaging and fun, they're not going to be on the phones. Or we have to be smart. It's 2020 when Mm -hmm. we're recording this episode. Students will always have technology. How do you harness the technology and allow them to use it in an effective manner? When I was teaching a college class, I remember Instagram had just got hot. So it tells you, you know, when I was teaching, Instagram had just started popping and students were on it. I used to put all my notes on Instagram and different things because I knew they were on Instagram. So could I fight it or join them? And literally in class, I'm like, get off Instagram. They would pull up and it wasn't one of those things where they were changing screens. They were literally looking at the Instagram notes. Mm -hmm. So I found a way to harness the technology that they were using, using an effective manner. And guess what? I didn't have any issues on cell phone. Ultimately, I think, and this could just be me and my classroom management style and the things that I teach and what I'm doing in my classroom, but I ultimately feel like too much of the energy is being put into let's ban cell phones, let's get rid of cell phones instead of, like you said, Chris, trying to think about how we can use the technology or how we can create situations in which students don't feel compelled or or just this dire need to be so tuned into that technology. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't necessarily, I would say care as much because my policy was always, we got this to do. We're making this happen. As soon as you get done with this, 
you know, if you happen to peak every now and then, if it's not a distraction or an issue, I'm not really all that pressed because we getting, we're getting everything done. But, you know, that's just me. I just, you know, think about all those extra pieces coming together. So as we wrap this piece up, let's give our listeners some, our goal is to give you all takeaways, not just talk about a topic, but give you some strategies because one of the things working with teachers, especially pre-service teachers, like how do I handle this? How do I classroom management? First, you have to know what battles are willing to be fought. If you see a kid texting, think about, is that battle worth fighting in the moment or is that something I can address whole group later? Second, Lila pointed out the best thing. Make sure you're engaging students. When it's something engaging, exciting, and fun, they will not have time to text. Third, find ways to harness that energy and that technology and incorporate it in your classroom structure. It's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit your students. And we, because we can't say stop using technology because once they leave, they're going to have, have it. Let's show them how to use it in the academic setting and improve their lives. Lila, final thoughts. Refocus the conversation. A lot of the conversation right now about cell phones is um, problem-based or meaning we're just talking about it being an issue and we're not necessarily thinking about how we can shift our thinking. Like you said, it's not going away. How are we going to use it in a productive manner? or figure out how to control it or give students better insight about what it's doing to them, right? Do they even know or understand the, the ramifications of their cell phone usage in class? As always, as we segue from, should cell phones be banned in the classrooms? We're going to segue to my favorite part, which is the inspirational moment designed to encourage you, to inspire you, to give that, mm, to make it through to the next episode. This week's inspirational moment has been brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Christopher J. Childs. This episode's inspirational moment is being brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Christopher J. Childs. This episode, I got a title. I usually don't even do titles. I just go into the inspirational moment. But this episode's title is, Are You Creating Excitement? Are You Creating Excitement? As educators, I think this is the best job in the whole wide world. It is the onus is on us to create that excitement within our respective educational environments. And there are three things we need to do to create this excitement. Number one, a firm belief. If students come to school or come to your environment or come under your purview, guess what? You have an opportunity to spark their engagement and get them excited about whatever you want to found upon them in regards to education. So we need to focus on those students and give them something. My thing is, if you come across my presence, you're going to feel my energy and what I bring to the table. The same thing when students come in under your purview, whether they want to be there or not, guess what? For that moment, you have their attention. It's your job to engage them and to what? Create that excitement. Number two, focus on the students. It's not about us. We've had our time to be students. We've had our time to be matriculate through a school system. Everything should be student-centered. What do they like? What do they dislike? How can I engage them in these lessons? I can't create excitement for someone who I don't know, because so I have to develop that relationship with them, and I have to focus on them so I can create that excitement, excitement to find out what they like. And I guarantee you, no matter what a student likes, you can pivot it into something academically to bring the student joy, bring them encouragement, but most importantly, impact their student achievement. Third, I want you to really consider what is your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Make it personal. 
as we think about creating this excitement, and you still have to be rooted in your principles and your foundation and what you believe, which starts with what is your why for being an educator? Why do you do what you do? Why do you, and it's beyond the paycheck. I don't care what nobody tell me. You don't come into education every day and keep doing it. Okay, I got to get this paycheck. You get a paycheck. That's any job. At some point, you're going to burn yourself out and quit. And that's what any job, not even just educate. You could be making a million dollars a year and people that make a million dollars a year still quit. But when you have your why and you're really passionate about it, you care about it, you continue to do it because it's the right thing to do. Utilizing those three pillars, that's how you can create that excitement. What are you going to do as an educator to create that excitement? And this is not what you're going to do next year. What are you going to do after the break? What are you going to do tomorrow to create that excitement for these kids that we say we care about to give them the best opportunity to succeed? You never know. Manny, I think it's, I don't know if he's Dr. Manny Scott at the moment or just Manny Scott, but he says it best. On a kid's worst day, you're probably their best hope. Knowing that when these kids come underneath your umbrella, what are you doing to create that excitement, bring that energy, and give them a high impactful mathematics experience? Or I say math because Lila and I are mathematics educators, but what are you doing to give them an impactful educational experience? Lila, any final thoughts? Period. Chris, okay, came through. Let us know what it is and what it ain't. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I'm, I'm here for it. What are you doing to create excitement and to make kids want to be there, to make kids prove that they really do want to learn? Because we got to stop saying if they don't want to. What are you doing for them to be able to get into that space? This has been the Inspire Educators Podcast with your boy, Dr. Christopher Childs and Lila Noor. We'll catch you on the next episode. We out. Bye.